some of uh, the lyrics today will jump back out at you as we go through today's text. In life and death, his, his love overwhelms us. Uh, I love the ending of that oceans where our feet fail us when we try to do things on our own strength and power and God always leads us to trust in him. I'm going to stretch you just a little out of your comfort zone right now. Part of the last line says, you are mine and and I am his or I am his and he is mine. That's it. Would Would you just do that? That you're embracing Jesus, that he is yours. He is not saying, ooh, get away from me. You're ugly, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're shameful, you're sinful. He is embracing you as you embrace him. Isn't that awesome? It's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Hey, we have been on a journey to joy, a journey to joy. And uh, we started this uh, series four weeks ago. When we, we started with this line. So, Heather, can you throw that first line up there, that first slide? Here it is. I'll be happy when, right? And I asked you, what, what is the fill in the blank? And then we quickly went to the next slide because happiness depends on hap which means circumstances, a set of circumstances, and it's temporary. And joy has nothing to do with circumstances. In fact, happiness is a temporary response to a circumstance. That's why I didn't ask you how your week was, because you were going to tell me how your week was based on how circumstances were. And that's why I refrained. And so because joy is a deep, abiding confidence built on your relationship with God. And uh, we came up with a, a, a phrase, and, and here it is, the next slide. Joy comes from God, so it's not from your circumstances. It is heavenly. It is supernatural. Joy comes from God through the Word, by the Holy Spirit. That's where that, that joy comes, in spite of pain, in spite of circumstances, in spite of sorrow, we can still have joy, because it's a fruit of the Spirit. Now... Last week, I asked you, what burst your bubble? Remember? That was pretty fun. I got to pop a whole bunch of balloons. What burst your joy bubble? What steals your joy? And we quickly found out that, well, here's the next slide. At whatever point your joy bubble bursts, this is, this is important. Whatever point your joy bubble bursts, that's the measure or level of your spiritual maturity. Spiritually mature, it's hard for somebody to steal your joy. Spiritually immature, your bubble gets burst all the time. The thickness of your skin or the thickness of your spiritual maturity kind of is an indicator about if you're acting more like a toddler or an adult in spiritual matters. And so whatever point your bubble bursts, that's the measure. Now, it's reflective of the next slide. I know we're going through this quick, but these are the last four sermons all crammed together. It's your closeness, your, it's your intimacy, it's your connectedness to Christ, to Jesus, that determines your level of joy. Boy, if you're walking with Jesus, your joy is going to be unstoppable. If you're walking away from Jesus and you're kind of doing life on your own, your joy is going to be stolen because it's rooted in your relationship with Jesus. Spiritual maturity is connected to your closeness, and that determines your level of joy. Daniel in the lion's den, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, or if you're in a storm, 
you can have peace in the middle of a storm, right? How many of you are in a storm right now? Okay, we got one, two, three people, four people. We're in, can we have joy in the midst of a storm? Absolutely. Because your joy is not dependent on whether you have yourself in a storm or not. It's not on circumstances. And because your spiritual maturity determines the level of joy in your life, Paul prayed this prayer in in verses 9 through 12. I don't know if you remember it, but it was about spiritual formation for spiritual maturity because he knows that. And so here's the next slide. It says this, a spiritually mature life has a foundation of that agape love constantly growing in maturity being able to tell what is excellent and worthy remember the knowledge to do that through the word living with integrity doesn't happen a whole lot does it in our day and age people don't live with integrity and is filled with righteous acts it does what Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. all to the father now Paul's transition to his own troubles then And in spite of trouble, he still had joys. Last week, we looked at this. The next slide. Spiritual maturity, allowing flexibility in your expectations to give God room to shift them to work His will in your life. Holding expectations loosely, God can come in, and you're not disappointed when things don't work out, just like Paul. But if you're going to hold tight to your expectations, like it's a piece of rope, What happens to your hands when the rope gets yanked and pulled in a different direction than you were expecting? How many of you ever had a rope burn? Ooh, it is. I had brothers. I had rope burns. If you have older brothers, you've got rope burns and scobbing your knob and pink bellies and all those other things. But you hold on to your expectations. Well, God, I expected this to happen. I expected this to happen. That's not the way he works. And then the next spiritual maturity was this, allowing God to use your troubled circumstances to bring about a different outcome than you were even thinking. Because his has a bigger uh, picture than what you're looking at. In fact, that leads us to the next one. Last week we talked about allowing God to give you a different perspective, his, and not to take things personally. And so here's the summation. Spiritual maturity, letting God shift your expectations change your outcome, and see his perspective. Boy, man, when, when I can do that, I roll with it. How many of you are rollers? You kind of roll with it because your faith is in God, your expectations, yeah, everybody has expectations. You hold on to him loosely because you never know what God's going to do. And you give him room to work, yielding to God in your life. He's the Lord, and you're excited he's in charge. How many of you are excited that he's in charge? Oh, man, we make lousy gods. And then the peace and the joy and the thankfulness comes. And that's what happened to Paul. So that brings us up to speed. Boy, we just covered four weeks. Woo! That's what we've learned so far in Philippians about joy. And our text today begins with Paul saying these words, I will be joyful. I will rejoice. Paul's confidence that he will be joyful is rooted and grounded in his faith. And with great confidence, he's going to give us five things in today's text. That's why you have an outline that has five fill-in-the-blanks. 
five things, uh, five confidences. Say it that way. Now, before we actually get to the text, though, and we'll get there in just a minute, I need to give you a little more background about Paul. It's going to come straight out of the Bible, 2 Corinthians. Now, we know that Paul's been in, in prison for four years. Two years in Caesarea and two years with Rome. He's waiting for Nero, the Caesar at the time, to call him and make a determination whether he lives or dies. That's, he's just waiting. He's on house arrest. He is chained to a Roman soldier. Every six hours, that Roman soldier is changed out. There's about, the, the Greek word is a word that, that means only about 18 inches. So he has no privacy. None. Could you imagine sleeping? Chained? Uh, I, I, can't, I can't even picture how he even, he even did that. But this is what it says in 2 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there, but it's found in chapter 11. It says this. I have far greater labors, far more imprisonments. And he's talking about just himself because Corinthians was written because people were bad-mouthing Paul saying, well, if, if he's such a super apostle, why are bad things happening to him? We talked about that last week. And so Paul just says, okay, I'm going to talk like a madman. I'm going to talk like a, a person that's out of his mind because this sounds egotistical, but I want to set the record straight. And he says, I have far greater labors, far more imprisonments. I've had countless beatings, often near the point of death, Five times at the hands of the Jews, I received 40 lashes. Do you remember when Jesus had his 40 lashes? You know, the cat of nine tails, and they stripped him, and then they whipped him, and the cat of nine tails went into his back, and then you yanked down, because in the cat of nine tails, there's embedded metal or glass or anything sharp to rip open your tendons and your back and your flesh. Five times that happened to Paul. And why 39 lashes? Because if you were the executioner of this punishment and you miscounted and you actually gave one lash too many, then you had to have 40 lashes. So they only gave him 39. Five times he had that happen to him. Then he says this, Four, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Now they thought he was dead, so they left him alone. And how they stoned people, they'd find a little brow of a hill, they'd put the person down there, they would take rocks as big as they could carry and just hurl them downward. So gravity had this incredible impact. He was stoned and left for dead, but he got up. Man, this guy is amazing. He, then he says, I, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift in the sea. I'm on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, toil, hardship, sleepless night. I'm often hungry and without food. I'm in the cold. I'm exposed. This is before he even gets to, to prison. And, and you think if somebody should not have joy, it's this guy. It's Paul. Okay, turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to pick it up in the middle of verse 18. Middle of verse 18. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. 
as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I, am, if I live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me yet. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to part, is to, is to depart and be with, G, with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that, you, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again." Boy, that was a mouthful, but he, he told us actually five different things in there. What causes him joy? And it's all going to lead back to his faith. It's, it's going to be amazing. And, and let me just go back to verse 18 and 19. Look at it closely. In fact, um, let's go ahead and throw the next slide up, Heather. And here, here's, here's the fill in the blank, but I want to get to the next slide. So write this down. He is confident in the word of God. Well, it doesn't say that. Well, in a way it does. It's implied. But look what he says. He says, for I know, I know that my prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ will turn out for my deliverance. I know this. How does he know? Because God said so. Didn't you love that argument when you were a kid? You're arguing with a kid and he, my daddy said this. Well, my daddy, well, my daddy said and whatever your daddy said, you believed it, right? Okay, I, I did. If my dad said it, I could argue all day long with the kid across the street because my daddy said it. Guess what? Paul says my daddy said it. The word of God said it, I believe it, and I know that I will be delivered. It's a deep down conviction. He knows God's character. He knows the word. He's relying on the promises of God. Remember last week we said God causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose? You know who wrote that? This guy wrote that. All things work together. He believed it. He had integrity to believe it and stand on it. He believed in the promises of God. But what's really interesting about the text itself there's several ways to say no in the Greek language. He chooses a word that actually has its root in being able to see. Isn't that odd? He says, I know. I've been able to see through the eyes of my heart that this is going to happen. That's how strong he's in. So out of the three Greek words that you could use, he chooses the strongest word that says, I am convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt, I absolutely, deep down inside, know that everything's going to be okay. That's confidence. That's confidence in the word. To absolutely know. So, Heather, throw it. For I know, and then he goes on this. And some of your versions may, no, go back to the other slide. Some of your other versions may say it a little different way. 
um, especially New American Standard or, or even the NIV, but the ESV, which I'm using today, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. And then there's, there's almost these parentheses, and he tells us how, through the prayers and the help. I know it. I have this deep down conviction. I absolutely know. I'm confident that this trouble shall, and confidence in the future, turn out for my deliverance, my rescue. You see, our, our human nature, follow me with me on this, okay? Our human nature, our flesh, in the negative sense, we want comfort, don't we? It's okay to assist to say, it. yeah, our flesh wants comfort. Uh, we want ease. We want a world of no problems. We want our world to have no problems. I'm okay with you having problems, but I want my world to have no problems. That's the flesh talking, right? And if you have money, you have an easier time of, of being comfortable. And you all said what? Amen. That's true. If you have money, because uh, money has some power. Not the power, but it has some power. And that's why people are tripped up by money and the, the love of money. Because money has the power to bring, to, to bring comfort. How many of you have, have ever driven a car without a heater? Yeah. And why did it not have a heater? Because your heater broke. All cars come with heaters. But what happens? Your heater breaks. And you don't have the money to get your heater core fixed because you've got to rip it out of the dash, right? It's a lot of work. And so you say, I don't have the money, so I'm not going to be comfortable. I'm going to drive through winter and hope that everything works out okay. If you had money, would you have gotten it fixed? And you all said, absolutely. Same thing with air conditioning. You ever drive a hot Phoenix without any air conditioning? Oh, man. Had money, what would you do? I'd go buy it. See, money is, has some power to provide some kind of comfort. And Paul's not relying upon that. He says, I know God. I know his word. I know his promises. I know that he loves me. He cares for me. He is mine. Right? So struggling is a part of the Christian experience. Jesus promised that you were going to have trouble. How many of you would like to take that out of your Bible? Jesus promised that you're going to have trouble. You are going to be persecuted if you are following Christ. Trouble is on your way because you are a believer. But Jesus said, don't worry about it. I've got you covered. This is what it says in James. It says, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? That's why it's hard for a rich man. Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom because their whole life has been trained to go somewhere else for peace and comfort, thinking that they have happiness. And when you struggle and when you're poor, you seem to struggle with some of the basic issues. What are the basic issues? Housing, transportation. How many of you were so happy the day you, just, you were able to afford a car that didn't break down every other week? How, do you, how did you start? You started out with a junker, and you go to junker, to junker, to junker, to junker. You just get tired of it. You struggle with that. 
struggle with food, you struggle with clothes. Tammy, this week, we went through my closet and, and we threw out shirts that I've had for 30 years. You can say amen because, yeah. Because I, if you remember my story, my mom and dad divorced when I was young. I entered the workforce when I was 12 years old. I was paying rent early on in life just so we could keep a roof over my head. I was a boy that was afraid of everything, especially poverty. I was afraid. But fear has no place in a Christian's life. Paul knew this. I'm going to be really old-fashioned today, and I'm going to read you a poem that you know. Maybe it will be new to some of you, but you will probably know Footprints in the Sand. You've heard it? Let me just read it to you. It said, Last night I had a dream. I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord and across the sky flashed scenes from my life. And for each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to me and one belonged to the Lord. And after the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked backwards at the footprints in the sand. And I noticed that many times along the path of my life, especially the very moments I was lowest and saddest, There was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said, catch this, you know, Paul's relying on the promises of God. This guy, Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublous times in my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you most, you were not there. The Lord replied, My son, my precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of suffering, when you could only see one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Struggling is a part of the Christian life, but we can still do it with joy because we are confident in the Word. Are you with me on that? We're confident in the promises of God. See, when things are easy and comfortable and you're not forced to cling to Jesus, to seek Him, to trust Him because your circumstances are easy, But when things are tough and frustrating and hard and you are weighed down and crushed by heavy burdens, it causes you to cling to your Savior. And Paul's faith, his confidence in the Word of God, brought him joy in spite of his circumstances, in spite of his struggles, his frustrations, even sorrow, pain, probably physical pain. You know, he's sleeping next to this Roman soldier, and he's not in a Tempur-Pedic bed, is he? And his body has been so ravaged by the enemy. He is scarred up like you cannot believe. Could you imagine being beaten with rods, stones thrown at your head? He was probably disfigured. He probably had facial scars. He probably wasn't a very beautiful man to look at. 
39 times. I mean, five times he had the 39 lashes. His body is in constant pain. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you know what it's like to be in constant pain. That was Paul. And yet he's filled with joy. He said, I am joyful. The text, yes, and I will rejoice. And he says, because my faith in the promises of the word of God, I know that I will be delivered. Confidence in the word means confidence in the plan of God. Whether I live or die, he said, I am confident in what is God's plan. And because he's confident in the word of God, he's confident in those phrases. God loves him. He loves you. He will never leave him or forsake him. He will never leave you or forsake you. Paul knows that his current pain is only temporary. So let, let God change those expectations, his, the outcome, and get his perspective. And he's holding on to the, his expectations loosely. He's not worried about how God is going to solve it, whether by living or dying. He's not worried about any of that. He's, he's okay with it. But only, not only is he confident in Christ, he's in, in, in the Word. Here's the second fill in the blank. We have to go back to this X. He's confident in the prayers in the saints. In the saints, let me read it again. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, this will turn out for my deliverance. He knows people are praying for him, and that makes him joyful. He had confidence in the and the prayers of the saints was making a difference. He had faith in prayer. People were praying for his deliverance. And they, were, they weren't just, oh, God, bless, bless Paul while he's in prison. They were specific. They got so specific, they sent a guy named um, Epiroditus to go and deliver some money to him so he can continue to get some food and stay under house arrest so he can continue his ministry. Here's the next fill in the blank. Not only did the knowing well let's let, let me backtrack just for a second how does it make you feel when you know that people are praying for you i don't i don't know how god does things and sometimes when you're praying for people and you're on your knees and the tears are flowing because they're there are some people that you love that are carrying such heavy burdens physically, sometimes emotionally, mentally. And I don't know how, but that, that prayer is powerful to affect joy in another person. And that's supernatural. It, it, it spans time. When you're praying for somebody and somehow they know that you're praying, it fills them with, okay, I'm going to be okay. Fills them with joy. Fills them with joy. Number three is this. Confident that the Spirit would help them. Go back to the text. It's so beautiful. I hope you're marking one, two, three in the text. It says, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit, will, this will turn out for my deliverance. He is confident that the Spirit will help him. 
The Spirit will give me whatever is necessary to sustain me. He will empower me. He will carry me in the sand when the going gets rough. He will give me the strength to get up and do it all over again. How many of you have been there? You wake up and your prayer is, Lord, give me the strength to get up and do it all over again. Because my joy is not based in my circumstances, my job, my finances, my marriage, my children, my whatever. All that is nice, but it's peripheral because joy comes from who? The Lord. I love what an old prophet said, not by might, nor by power, but my but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not through human determination, but through the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit. Many of you know this out of Isaiah. It's, it's beautiful, so I, I just have to read it. It says, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even use I want to say youths, but I know. Youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Joy because the Spirit is there to help. Yes, he says, I will be joyful. Notice something in that text, just verse 19. Notice you have the Word, you have the, the prayers, and you have the Spirit. You know those three are always working for your benefit? Did you see that? Did you see The Word, prayer, and the Spirit are all helping. They're all there for you so that your life will be filled with joy. Now, here's the next part. Let's move on to verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, will be honored, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Here's the fill in the blank. He is confident in the hope of Christ. Confident in the hope of Christ. I don't know if you've ever had serious regrets in your life. I had one regret. I, I was a newly married to Tammy. I was a youth minister in Costa Mesa, California. We had two pennies to rub together. We saved up some money. I was going to buy this old Honda Accord, and I went and I bought a car at night. Loved it. Thought I was getting a steal. Oh, thank you, Jesus. This is, this is what we need. This is awesome. I get home, park it, drove great, handled great. Everything's great about it. Went to bed happy. Next day I got up, I fired that thing up, and a stream of white smoke came out of the engine compartment for about five, ten minutes until the engine heated up and it sealed again. Did I have buyer's remorse? Was I filled with a little regret? You know what Paul's saying? I am not ashamed of being a Christ follower. 
My hope is confident in Christ. He has no regrets. His confidence that Christ would never fail him, Christ would never forsake him, he would never pass over him, he would never leave him, he would never change his mind about him, Christ would never abandon him, he would never get tired of him, he would never let go of him, Jesus would never turn his back on Paul, and he won't turn it on you. Man, he says, what does the text say? He says, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed in hoping in Jesus. Romans 9 says, whoever believes in him, he's quoting Isaiah, whoever believes him will not be put to shame. And that's why he's confident facing death. Ah, if my body dies, I get to go home and be with Jesus. Not a bad proposition. I know we don't, we don't have the time to, to mine some of this stuff, but his hope is in Christ. And, and, and I can't, I lack the words to be able to communicate that the way I want to, that his whole being was, for I have been crucified. It is no longer I who live, but Jesus is living in me. And my hope is solid, rock solid, confident. I absolutely know that Christ is my answer. He is my rock. Nothing can shake it. And so here's the last fill in the blank. Confident to be fruitful. We have to go back to the text to see that. Confident to be fruitful. Look at verse 22. He goes on and he says, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart. I want to die and be with Jesus. That's so much better. But if I remain in the flesh, it's actually more beneficial for you that need me to teach you. Verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again fruit. He says, I'm confident that if I stay behind, we're going to have some fruit. Changed lives is, is the, another way of saying it. And that fills him with joy. You know, a, teach, a, co- a teacher, a coach, a mentor, they get so excited when they see their student or their athlete or their mentoree excel and do well. They're like, yeah, I taught that kid. Yeah, I coached that kid. Yeah, because they're doing greater things than you ever could have done. And the coach and the the, the teacher, they get excited because it brings joy. But how much more when you invest in not earthly things but in eternal things? Healed marriages, restored relationships, understanding your purpose in life, your identity, transformed lives. Do you know I would rather see an addict set free than to go to every Super Bowl that they ever have? That would fill me with more joy to see one person released from the bondage of addiction than to have all the Super Bowls in my lap. I would rather see a convict accept Christ, accept Christ 
than to go to the Emmys, the Grammys, and the Oscars all rolled into one. What temporal junk is that compared to a life that's been transformed, a life that is fruitful, a life that has changed because the Spirit of God is now resting in them? Wow, that is joyful. That's power. Do you know I would rather see young families raise their children to know Jesus and dedicate their lives to them than all the money in the world? I really would. Because money is temporal. But the things that are eternal are this kind of fruit. And Paul says, man, if I stay on, woohoo! I am confident lives are going to be changed. So guess what I'm going to choose? I'm going to deny myself because I want to be with Jesus, but I'm going to stay here for you all sakes. Wow. Fruit brings joy. Paul got joyful from his faith, his confidence in the word, prayers, the spirit, the hope of Christ, and fruit. And his joy came from his faith. I have to wrap it up, but I want, I want one last slide, and I need your participation, and then we'll go into communion time. Confident to be fruitful. Here it is. This comes out of Isaiah 12, 2. I took a little liberties to get rid of the ands and the these and the thous, okay? But it says, I will trust in God. Can you repeat that to me? I will trust in God. I will not be afraid. He is my strength. He is my song. He is my salvation. I want you to find that in your Bible, underline it, and if you know, if you, you're going through a rough time, pull this out. I will trust in God. I will not be afraid. He is my strength. He is my song. He is my salvation. Let's pray. Father God,